Welcome to Worst Seats in the House, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you from our, what feels like our home away from home, St. Louis. It doesn't feel like anything. Yeah. We've lived half our lives in this city. Been here a lot, no <laughs> doubt about it. It, and it. And it's crazy because when you're here for playoff series, it feels like you're here forever yeah. because you're back and forth a few times. You're here for three or four days in a row at one point. And it always feels like we play here at times where it's in close proximity to each other, like mm-hmm. a couple of trips in a row where you're down here, back down here a couple of weeks later. Yep. It feels like we have been here a ton. Yeah. Well, I don't even know when we're here next. Uh, it's been, it's going to be. Sure. Yeah. It's oh, you know what that. it is? It's right oh, before the GM or right, right during the GM's meetings. Yeah, I'm there and Joe's here. I know it's after a, a West coast yeah, trip. Uh, if I goes remember San right. Jose, San Jose, Arizona here. here. I think right before that's Winnipeg, actually. It's a weird trip. Winni- the the normal Winnipeg, San Jose, Arizona, St. Louis trip. Right. Um, Just so, like our Buffalo home, so, New York, New York trip, yeah, where so it's, actually, we fly home and are home for about 36 hours and then go right back to the yeah. state of New York. I have a, actually a crazy January, um, because uh, partially because of that trip. So I'm on that Buffalo trip. And uh, because of the home, and then they going back into New York, New York, um, I just said to my editors, why don't we have Joe cover the home game and I'll run up to Toronto. I'm going to uh, watch games from our favorite place, the NHL Situation Room. There's a full slate of games on the day the Wild play the Blues at home. I'll do a huge feature on that on uh, and all the changes there, you know, the retired referees in there. A lot of things have changed since actually you and I have been there, you know, technology and things like that. So that'll be a fun story. Then I'm going to New York, New York, and then uh, I'll pick up the team Washington Raleigh and then come home, right? Uh, Joe's going to Florida, Tampa. And but we come home in between the yeah, New York trip and the Washington that. Yeah, He's trip. doing that game. I'm not coming home. I'm going somewhere else for another super secret trip. And then, um, and then it's great. Like then I got the we got the bye week where I have a vacation. Um, I I'm, myself and Mark Lazarus are actually covering the All Star game for the Athletic. Uh, just our, us two. So I'll right, I'll go right from my bye week trip to the All-Star game, and then I pick right from the All-Star game, I fly to Phoenix, and then here's the kicker, Anthony, you're going to love this, just to keep me on Delta and to make practice the next day, go to Phoenix, and then after the game in Phoenix, instead of spending the night, I'm getting on a red eye to go to Dallas through Atlanta. <laughs> I'm flying Why over not? Dallas by two and a half hours, basically. Well, at least you're not flying Southwest. Yeah, I know. Holy mackerel. I was just talking to a uh, player's dad about Southwest Airlines. I, we um, just experienced it in our house. Yeah. AJ was trying to get back to Denver on a Southwest flight on Tuesday night, so mm-hmm. the 27th, and their flight got canceled. So we've had three kids coming from three different cities, mm-hmm. all trying to get home during the polar vortex or whatever right. it was called. They all got home. There were a couple delays, but they all got home. And then they're all leaving. And Gianni going back to Connecticut, Vinny going back to the West Coast, all that was fine. But AJ couldn't get to Denver on that night. They canceled his flight and came back to him. So this was Tuesday night and said, the earliest flight we can get you on is Sunday. So he was, they were just expecting him to stay five more days in Minnesota. And his bosses said, well, we can't have you out of the office for another entire week. Right. So they were looking at renting a car to drive back, and they wound up buying a couple of tickets last minute on a Delta flight that got him out Tuesday night but and probably just eat that Southwest ticket because I can't imagine they'll ever fly Southwest again. Yeah, uh, and then uh, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, Chris Johnson, put out a memo like – just going after like the 
the uh, Denver-based Southwest, uh, you know, field agents and stuff, and basically threatening them with, unless they have like doctor's notes and stuff to show that you were sick, that you're going to be fired. And I mean, honestly, like I get that they're under an immense amount of stress right now, but that that note, that memo that he wrote that's been leaked, uh, like, why would you ever want to work for that company? Is well, and I've heard, I don't, I haven't confirmed this myself, but I talked to a couple of people that fly regularly who told me that a part of the problem with it was, is that Southwest doesn't have some of the reciprocal agreements yeah, with they don't, other airlines. Yeah. Yep. So they can't just like you get canceled on United because of a mechanical, you can say to them, put me on Delta American and, and they they'll have figure to do it out. Yeah. And, and, or, but Whether also they, they just work to, with yeah. each other. Yeah. And in this case, Southwest yeah. doesn't apparently yeah. have any of those yeah. relationships. Southwest, and, Frontier, Sun Country, all those. Right. Yep. And so because it's anytime it's, it's weather related that yeah. they just throw up their hands, which mm-hmm. has never made sense to me. You had, you get stuck in a city yeah. and well, we we're not paying for a hotel room. Yeah. We're canceling our flight. You just yeah. have to stay. And, and I, sometimes you look at them and think, well, you're canceling the flight. It could be for any reason. Yeah. And you just say it's windy. Yeah. Well, that actually is what, what was crazy. You remember when Dan and I had took us like 10, 15, well, remember we were like stuck at Midway for like 12, 15 hours. Yeah. Um, Coming, at first yeah, it was right. weather, then it became a mechanical, then the the airlines timed out, the uh, the pilots timed out. So at the beginning, they wouldn't put do anything for us. But once it became a mechanical, that's when they all of a sudden put us in a hotel, put us out of O'Hare, all that type of stuff. Um, but just uh, last to button up this topic, the last thing that you just mentioned about weather, one of my favorite stories is how I got to Minnesota. So end of August of, of 2005, I come up to interview for the job at the Star Tribune. Um, I stayed like, you know, four or five days and I flew home through Dallas on American and I land in Dallas and Hurricane Katrina was actually coming over Florida at that time. And so my flight into South Florida was canceled. And so I had to call the Star Tribune and be like, hey, I'm stuck in Dallas because of weather. Can you put me in a hotel here? And that's when they transferred me to Glenn Crevier, the editor, and he offered me the job. I'm like, all right, yeah, thanks. Um, but can you pay for my hotel room in Dallas? And then I'll let you know. You if didn't I'm even need a hotel out. room anymore. Yeah, I know. It was Just funny. Um, January 3rd is our next live show at Split Rocks. Uh, hopefully everybody comes out there. It's going to be a really fun show. Uh, we got two live shows actually in January up at Split Rocks. Um, and it's a great, great place. Great food, great drinks. We get a ballroom there because so many people have been coming up. Gigantic bowling alley, uh, darts, which uh, I'm a big uh, star at. Big darts fan, yeah. right? Um, we haven't played darts on the road I recently. Know. I was and just... I'm getting better. I got a dart dartboard in my house now. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of holes in the wall. I should have put a cardboard. <laughs> Did in. you find yourself like you used to get fined in I my know, basement? I know. I I haven't done that. I actually just had this conversation with Margot maybe last night, and she was asking what I was going to do in St. Louis tonight on an off night, and. You know, I really haven't made any plans yet. I would probably go get some dinner. We've got a podcast to do. And and when I started talking about some of the trips we've made to St. Louis, I said there were a couple of bars that we used to go to in this town to throw darts and play shuffleboard. And I, I like those spots. And I said, but it's funny, we haven't gone that often when now it's just traveling with you and I basically because of those old days it was when Chad Graff was with us it was when Mike Greenlay was with us and we always seemed to have like a group of four to start with and then if any of the other guys came along that's what happened but at least we started with four so it's be kind of strange but we haven't gone into any place just to throw darts or play games for a couple of years which used to be a big part of our travels yeah um 
I'll be going to the Scar Club here at the Ritz uh, later on today. Yeah, I'm not sure I'll do yeah, that. Yeah, especially a day before a game. That's probably not great for your voice. It's you know what the in the I used to be on a two cigar a year plan, and I've drifted a little bit. I haven't. I had one this summer, I think, and it's I I actually enjoy cigars, but yeah, I don't think tonight will be a night that I visit the sky. I, I love cigars, and I can't stand. How my clothes smell oh, the next yeah. day. Yeah, especially that's one of the yeah. big reasons yeah. why I've drifted away from it. It isn't even the, I I, do, I don't even mind the smoke while I'm in the room or anything. But it's the next day, yeah. everything smells, and yeah. I it drives you me. Gotta leave your stuff outside. Um, yeah, supposedly, you lay it on the floor yeah, yeah. of your hotel carpet, and it sucks it out. But yeah, I, don't I don't know what's sucking it out. But <laughs> it's in the carpet. Yeah. Um, reason why we're doing this uh, podcast so late, by the way, is uh, Anthony forgot his socks. Uh, so he asked me yeah, to run I was over on to time to the podcast. <laughs> that is true. You were on time. <laughs> yep. I was the one that was an you hour late because right. I got it. So I get in the car. Of course, you know, it's just, un, you know, going to Target on a Friday during rush hour. Major car accident. So I'm just stuck in gridlock, just cursing you every step of the way that I had to go to tur- Target to get this thing. But well, it actually reminded me. So the wild, like eight, nine years ago, they started like, a, I mean, honestly, I think it was like a seven or eight game road trip in San Jose. It might have been longer. And um, I forget what, why it was. It was a long trip for me because I had to go. Maybe it was like split by the Ulster game or something. But anyway, I immediately get to my hotel room there in San Jose and I open up my bag and I got no socks for the entire trip. And you know downtown San Jose. There's like There's nothing, nothing to buy anything. So right. I find this like little convenience store and I buy like <laughs> like. Honestly, like probably a dozen socks in there that were like sandpaper. And I wore these dress socks for the rest of the road trip and then immediately promptly threw them out when I got home because they were literally felt like uh, sandpaper. I had I unpacked my or opened my suitcase when I got here and I had everything I needed except I brought workout clothes and forgot workout socks. So I thought, all right, I could. I do have an extra pair of dress socks, so I could wear those. But I walked down the street, same thing out here. I love this area. We're staying out in Clayton. It's a great hotel. There are a couple of great restaurants here, a couple of great spots. There's a great path I like to run down past Washington University that is it's really a great area. I love staying out here. But the one thing it doesn't have, there's nothing there's no place to shop here. Mm-hmm. So I walked down the street, same thing, thinking, well, there's got to be a place that there's right. a place across the thing that it was called like the fitness lounge or something like that, a new way for fitness that I've all, I've never gone in, but I've walked past the sign. So I went over there, boarded up and locked up. There's a golf tech. And I thought, well, they probably have a pair of socks, but they were, they're boarded up and closed up. So there is nothing else. That's when I texted you and said, any chance on your way from your <laughs> hotel to mine that yeah. you could go past a Target because I could use some socks? Well, ironically, actually, coincidentally, I should say, I hate when people uh, miss. Ironically, that is a misused yeah. term. Often. So, coincidentally, yesterday, Anthony, I get an, a letter in the mail from Target telling me we uh, we missed you. You haven't been here in months, and by the way, if you don't show up again, we're closing down your credit card. So, you you actually saved me from having uh, some major heartache with that credit card. All right, let's talk hockey. Um, where do we go uh, with this? So the Wild plays St. Louis on New Year's Eve. Things always go well here in St. Louis for the Wild. Um, <laughs> Two seven and five yeah, in the yeah. last fourteen against the Blues. It's we, one of the toughest matchups yeah. for Minnesota. And what's interesting about that is the Blues have almost redone their franchise. They used to be the big bad Blues, big heavy physical team. Steve Ott, Ryan Reeves. 
you name it, yeah. going all the Le way Perrier. back to David Backus. And now they're a speed, skill, finesse team, and the Wild still have their battles with them. So when you say, okay, the Wild are 2-7-5, and five, that that really is deceivingly close because yeah. if you look at it from St. Louis's perspective, they're twelve one and one in yeah. the last fourteen yeah. against Minnesota and the goal differentials plus twenty five. It just fe- this is for whatever reason has been a house of horrors for the Wild, yeah. and it hasn't been any better in St. Paul. It just yeah. it's crazy how well the yeah. Blues have played against. And the it Wild. hasn't been any better in Minneapolis, by the way. No, it wasn't and better. So we'll in see how either. if the Wild uh, could. You know, Before they the start, Wild got exposed yeah. for lack of depth. Yeah, they they uh, they started. <laughs> let's not talk about that. They started in 2022 in a very bad way against the Blues. Let's see if they can end it in a good way. Um, let's talk. You know, I don't know why this just popped in my head first, but let's talk the helmet rule. Uh, you know, the, what is I don't the know what the deal? Hell yeah, is. I, that's what Dean said yesterday. Like the one with Capri stuff yesterday. To me, that was a battle. He lost his helmet. But what bothered me on that one is he's trying to go get his helmet. The guy is holding him. That should have been a call. Then because he's held, he has to go run to the bench. But the one with Dumba, now Dumba got away with probably an, a high hit or a charge or something. But so because maybe that's you miss what, one call yes. doesn't make the next play like, legal. It's supposed to be an automatic call. Like if if Dumba elbowed in the, in the face – the same guy, and then that guy turned around and shot the puck in the stands, they would have called that because it's an automatic call. Right. The guy ripped Dumba's head off, Marchman ripped his helmet off, that's supposed to be a penalty. Now, I will say, I didn't know the rule that w- that it was an automatic call until it got called against the Wild earlier mm-hmm. this season. And after the game, I heard the explanation from the official saying it's an automatic call. If a player pulls the other player's helmet off, mm-hmm. it's a call. I now, have it, to make the, it. The one clarification that Wild fans, I don't think no, because they always talk about it, is if the whistle goes and there is a scrum and the helmet comes off, that is not That's a That's different. Right. It, it's in action. Right. Yep. It's before the whistle, yep. essentially. After the whistle, it doesn't count. But we've seen it between the whistles. I don't know how many times, four times, maybe five times since yeah. the wild got called for it the the first time. And, and I agree with you there. There's a lot of times where it's, there's gray area things and you can debate it up and down, but this one is supposed to be automatic. If it happens during the course of play, it appears to have been anything but automatic. It wouldn't have changed the game last night. We're talking about the Dallas game mm-hmm. on Thursday night. Dallas was the better team. They, controlled the play. They did a better job getting shots through. They cashed in on their power plays. Minnesota did not. They're an elite special teams group. Yeah. And they won that game in two areas. They were so dominant on faceoffs, lowest single game faceoff win percentage for the Wild this year. And then they were dominant on the power play. Mm-hmm. And it, their combined special teams are second best in the league. They're one of the best faceoff teams in the league. And they won those two areas, and the rest of the game was basically even. But yeah. Minnesota was on so far on the short end in those spots, and the and they overlap. The faceoffs were a huge part of oh, Dallas' penalty kill first three, and power play. Well, the first three goals by Dallas were all because of faceoff losses, um, and two of them were on the power play. Yeah, exactly. And and this is not. I mean, Dean is right. It's not just the centers, man. Freddie Goudreau won that faceoff on the third goal, and Erznick got stick checked by Pavelski and. And he won the battle. And these guys just need to get grittier. The wingers. Now, in that case, obviously, we know Eric's next to center. But he, you know, that was the interesting thing there is Dean throws two centers out there for the PK in case one gets kicked out. Gujo wins the draw and Eric Sinek essentially loses it. Um, 
And it goes on, it makes Goudreau, you know, it goes on Goudreau's one loss total. It makes him look like he was just worse than he is. And these guys just need to get grittier in the circle. Another thing that interesting, because it happened two games in a row, and this happened in the playoffs last year, I think, to Fiala, where somebody lifted Fiala's stick into his own face and Fiala got the, um, got the, 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 um, the penalty. And if you remember, I kind of went off on it on Twitter. And what was ironic about that one is... I got current referees and former referees. One, uh, the current referees were basically saying to me, like, look, you always have to be responsible for your stick. It doesn't matter how it's going to get here. But the, some former referees told me, but referees will be, if they know what happened, they will, in that case, almost ignore it. And I think that's what happened with Chris, I think it was Chris Lee in Winnipeg, is he knew that Sam Steele's stick was lifted into Kyle Connor's face, so he just said, I'm not calling it, where technically he's supposed to. But then last night, Mason Marchman only gets high-sticked because he high-sticks Boldy. It just feels like, you know, we have all these video reviews in hockey. It just seems like there are cases here where the league should just get this right, and on high-stickings, and also pucks into the stand, it would be just so simple for the refs to go over, look at the video, and say, wait a minute. All right, Marchman only got high-sticked because he high-sticked, you know, Boldy's stick right, into his own that face. that still is a high-sticking yeah, call. Yeah, I know. If you lift the yeah. other guy's stick yep. into your face, yep. you are still you yep. are only not responsible for your stick if it's on the follow-through of a shot right. or a pass. I guess that's the other thing is I'm, what I'm basically saying is should it be a rule change? I mean, you know, well, like you otherwise it could be an epidemic. You could just every single time try to stick-lift a guy's well, stick. In the, but, you I don't know, know how many – who's going to do that? But I, you know but what I mean? Like I it's agree so, with you that it's it's – it's unfortunate, but I don't think it's mm. – we can argue a rule change, but I think they got the call right. He got cut. It's four yeah. minutes. Well, that's another stupid part of the rule. It is a like, stupid part of the and rule. Like, if you look at Boldy, he's the one that got absolutely clobbered. Right. And he's two minutes because he did – his face is just – somehow his skin is unbleedable. Right. And there are vicious high sticks that are – that don't cut you. Yeah. You happen to hit you in the yeah. back of the neck or they hit yeah. you in the visor or whatever. Yeah. I agree that there are some things that been, you'd like to see him think about, but yeah. anytime you start to say, well, let's, you could use common sense. Common sense is never common. Yeah. Everybody's idea of common sense is different. Right. But you know, it's really again coincidental is that this is three games in a row because not only did something similar happen in Winnipeg, but if you remember in San Jose, when Matt Dumba got, uh, when it should have been an automatic instigator against him right before that, um, I, I can't remember who it was. Niet was it Nieto? Um, no, it wasn't Nieto. It was uh, who was the guy that actually went after Dumba? Well, there were two guys. That went yeah, after but who him. was the one that actually got the fighting major? It was. Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I am too. It was well, the whoever, second guy because the first guy yeah. tried to get him yeah. to fight and he but didn't. What was funny about that is if you remember Hartman was on a rush. The guy actually did an unbelievably well executed stick lift, but after the stick lift, he high sticks Hartman in the face. No call. Then Dumba hits the guy, and then two guys attack him. And like so, it was like the wild got shortchanged out of the high sticking on Hartman, and the instigator right. it was just a mess. Well, I tell you, if you want to talk about rule changes, that to me is the one that needs to be enforced. Mm -hmm. The instigator penalty, and I think officials are afraid to call it because of the penalty, the two, five, and ten if you call the instigator. Mm -hmm. So I think if you want to look at it, number one, it's 
It is an instigator when a guy makes a legal check and somebody else skates across the ice to fight him. Mm-hmm. That's an instigator. He's instigating a fight. He came across the ice for one reason, to fight a guy when he was not involved in the play. Yeah. That's an instigator. Mm-hmm. So if you are afraid to call it because you're saying, well, he came over because he thought the hit was illegal, so I don't want to go instigator, I'll call it. Sometimes they'll call it a, a cop out and the yeah. extra rough for whatever. In this case, they didn't even call that even though two guys tried to get him to fight that weren't involved with the play, if the guy that gets hit gets back up and drops the gloves and fights, that's not an instigator. He was the guy who got hit. He's He, he says, let's fight, let's fight. But if it's somebody else, by definition, it's an instigator. So if, you, if you're afraid to call it, and I'd be interested to hear what officials think about it, if they're reluctant because they think... We might be with one tonight. Well, if they're saying that I don't want to send a guy to the box for 17 minutes, mm-hmm. well, then change the penalty yeah. for it and say that all we're going to do is make it two and five or yeah. whatever it might be. Make the rule something that officials are willing to call mm-hmm. because they're, they obviously are afraid or reluctant would be a better yeah. word than afraid to call that when there is no doubt. Those two guys from San Jose both were trying to yep. instigate a fight. Yep. They came to Dumba yep. with one purpose to fight a guy who had just made a legal hit. I'd even say it was different if the hit was a penalty. If Dumba had slammed a guy into the boards in the corner and the arm has gone up and it's going to be a penalty because it was illegal, now if somebody comes and retaliates, let it just be a fight. Mm-hmm. Even though technically that's still an instigator. Yeah. Even though Dumba's going to get a penalty, you still skated over and you came from across the rink mm-hmm. to challenge the guy to a fight. Yeah. That's I, an instigator. I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, we might be with a ref later, so we'll ask him. Um and by the way, it was Jacob Megna uh, to okay. high sticked Hartman and and uh, and should have been called for instigating. Tell us about Moe's. I love Moe's. <laughs> it's a great place to go watch a game. Terrific food. It's a it, don't think of it as bar food or sports bar food. Their sandwiches are terrific. It's a great place to sit and watch a curling match at the Four Seasons Curling Rink there. Great place to just watch the wild on TV. The TV screens are terrific. They've got great banquet facilities. It's where the Donkey Hockey League draft took place, and we'll be back there for future events. The room was spacious, and they were well taken care of. Great place if you're watching a game at the attached Fogarty Arena. It's just a terrific place. It's a a new spot. It's Moe's inside the ice house at Fogarty Arena. Here's a word from Chris Lindahl, real estate. If you're like most people, you've been wondering if the real estate market is going to crash. Well, I went right to an expert the other day, and that, you know who it is. It's Chris Lindahl, and I asked him point blank. Chris started in 2009. As we all know, there were similar tensions back then, so I wanted to know where we were headed. And here's what Chris told me. The supply of homes would have to outweigh demand, not be at all-time lows for a crash to happen. The average days on market would need to spike as well. If you look right now, houses are sitting on the market longer. Prices are being cut a lot too, but the seasons and market have both been shifting, so it's hard to say that the sky is falling. Number one thing people can control right now is their equity being at all-time highs. Homeowners that want to guarantee they keep their equity need to be proactive, not wait until it's too late, which is why so many are coming to Chris Lindahl Real Estate for their guaranteed offer program. It's a great hedge against high inflation and interest rates vaporizing people's equity. Request your no-obligation guaranteed offer right now by going to chrislindahl.com. Terms and conditions apply. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. 
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. All right, back here, worst seats in the house, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. January 3rd, our next live show at Split Rocks. Anthony's got socks for that show as well. He's got six pairs. I won't be wearing these socks at that show. I'll be wearing a pair of them tomorrow, and it could be the only use they ever get. I almost got you some gag uh, socks. I don't know if you saw my tweet. but uh, I didn't, yeah. unfortunately. Um, all right, let's talk Ryan Hartman. Um, you know, um, he's trying to get himself back to where he was last year. Um, he, in Winnipeg the other night, I thought filled in with, for Marcus Foligno really well in that game with Greenway and Erickson Eck. I thought that, that line when one of them is off is never as effective, but yet that, that line was good defensively. Spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. He set up the power play goal dispersion, but he took a penalty in that game that essentially led to a goal, right? A couple seconds after the power play that he caused last night while they're playing at home against the Dallas stars, they're trying to come back. This wasn't as undisciplined a penalty as he sometimes takes. This was just an unfortunate high-sticking minor while battling in the offensive zone. But it results in a power play goal that essentially iced the game for the Dallas Stars. He's taken 11 minors in 14 games. And Dean Evanson said after the game, when I asked about it, that he basically needs to cut it out or something is going to have to be done, maybe have to be done. Um, They've been talking to him about this since he's arrived. Yeah. He plays on the edge, mm -hmm. and he brings that edge to his line every night. It's exactly what they hope he brings to the Goudreau and Boldy line when he was playing with those guys, and he'll likely be back with those guys when Felino returns. But there's a line. And he has crossed it. I thought he crossed it too often early last year, but then really took that out of his game as mm -hmm. the season progressed. And it'll come. He, it's it's not easy for a guy to step back in, especially a guy who plays like him, when he missed as much time as mm -hmm. he had missed. And I think we'll see... And he barely practiced. Right. I don't think we'll see... Well, obviously with the games he's missed, we're not going to see 34 goals from Hartman this year. But I think we're going to see a productive player from here to the finish and an important player for this team yeah. because that Boldy line, no matter who's with him, Boldy, Goudreau, and Hartman right now it appears, or when it was Boldy, Goudreau, and Walker, I thought they were really good last night. That line has to score for Minnesota to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Yeah. Um what do you make of Boldy right now? Because it's weird. Like he's getting, he gets points, but I don't think he's having a great year. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm sure he probably at times feels kind of the way Fiala did. You know, without when Boldy wasn't here, like a man alone on an island that he's got to generate everything. But even last night, like he is, like that was a frustrating player to watch last night. He's overpassing. He's just. He, he's it's like he tries on the power play at times to be way too cute to keep up with Zuccarello and Kaprizov's cuteness. And I thought he was... The, he fumbled a couple pucks last night. Yeah. He also had a great chance that hit the post on the right. short side. Yeah. But I, I thought their line was pretty good. They did get the goal that got overturned late. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought their line was good. They just, they appeared a little off. They yeah. just were fumbling some pucks and... 
I, but I do think there's something to be said for the comparison to what Fiala was dealing with last year until Boldy arrived is probably similar to what Boldy's dealing with right now. Is Freddie Gaudreau is a good player and he's having a solid year, but he's not a 35 goal scorer mm-hmm. like the guy that was on the other wing with Boldy was last year. So I don't know who that guy will be. I don't know if that guy's on the roster right now or not that will long term be the fit there, but without a doubt, he's missing that other scorer on his line. So what's the common denominator? Because obviously it does feel like when when Walker's come up, at least four of the five of the six games that he's played with Boldy, Boldy's been a much better player. But obviously if Felino's coming back in St. Louis, which Dean says he is, that Hartman's going back to that line. So, um, I mean, what do you, what do you think is going to have to happen? I mean, is Hartman just going to have to be that guy if the if the line's healthy? I the- think Hartman can drive mm-hmm. some offense on that line for sure. And actually there might be a little bit of a – of a dynamic with throwing a righty on that other wing where maybe it's a little easier for some of the East-West game to happen with Boldy being a lefty and Hartman mm-hmm. being a righty on the wings. Would you put Hartman, you're saying, on the right or the left? On the right. Okay, yeah. With Boldy because on because the, the one thing, Boldy is always much more effective on the right, and that's part well, of what I part wonder. Part of it is he was playing with a lefty on yeah. the other wing, so it's he's still playing now mm-hmm. with a guy who – I. Ryan Hartman will be interesting because he's not the electric kind of player that Fiala was, but he might bring a little bit more edge to that line, and perhaps that can be what gets Boldy going. Mm-hmm. And he goes Boldy's, and gets pucks. He does. And, yeah, he wins puck battles, yeah. and and Goodrow is a responsible player, so Boldy can just be freed up to to go play. I think we'll probably see a guy that if that line stays together for a while. I think we'll probably see them start to produce. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll produce like the Boldy Goudreau Fiala line did last year. Right. Um, what do you think of the? Uh, you know, let's go back actually real quick about this division. You talked about Dallas Stars and how well they are. I mean, they are a team that I'm starting to They're think solid. is absolutely legit. I mean, they got the goalie. They got a great blue line. Like Ryan Suter, by the way, when he's playing 18 minutes and not 28 minutes, pretty good player. He's a good player, although he's a minus 10. I know and, on a team where there's a lot of pluses, right. but I thought he was good the other night. I thought he was good. And he's good when he doesn't have to be on the top pair, mm-hmm. which helps. I like Haskinen's game a lot. Essel Lindell is a really solid defender. Mm-hmm. And think about the fact that these guys basically just well, let Lundqvist. John Klingberg go because yeah. they had enough other defensemen. Lundqvist looks like a good player. I think Dallas is legit. I still think that their bottom couple of lines are going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. They'd get almost nothing from those lines. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Minnesota... Well, Jamie Ben on the third line, it's not bad. Well, but technically I would say Ben's line is their second best scoring line. Right. The, the, it's the Sagan line that's not bringing much to the table. And then their fourth line with Glenn Denning and Faxa gets nothing done. And I, I wonder if that can keep up. I really like Jamie Ben. I like his game. I like the edge he brings. I like the leadership he brings and says a lot about a guy who's been the guy and now he's your captain. And because the young guys plus Pavelski have been so good on the top group, he's playing, whether you call it second or third line minutes, but playing on the power play and 
he just changes games. I, I like the way, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Ben. I like and the it, way he plays. And you know what's funny about Ben is like I, I was kind of joking in the locker room yesterday. Like I had a really funny interview with uh, Pavelski, Ben, and Suter for this story that I'm working on. And uh, but the one thing about Ben that I think is funny is as he gets older, it's like I don't know if it's because maybe he's slowing down or whatever. He's become like a cleaner player. There's no more the just kind of. I dirt think he's just stuff. better at hiding. It. Yeah. Because right. did you see the play the other night with Timo Meyer? They're just standing there while a fight's going on, and they're kind of chatting, and it looks like they're just having a conversation. And all of a sudden, Ben just knocks his stick out of his hands. And <laughs> when Meyer goes down to pick it up, he knocks it away. And the everybody in the rink is watching what's happening with the fights. And all of a sudden, Meyer gets up and barks at him, and Ben like gives him a jab to the face and totally uncalled. Right, I because didn't see of, any of yeah, that. Yeah, right. it's Maybe just, I'm wrong. But that's the little yeah. kind of stuff that – I just think he, and not that I'm supporting that kind, but he just has that little yeah. edge to him yeah. where it's just a little bit of the get under your skin and yeah. you're in for a long night playing against me yeah. and it might be a little stick jab in the ribs. It might be, but it's, he's just yeah. got that. And sometimes teams need that from a leader who also still can play. Yeah. He can score. He's definitely better than he was a couple years ago because he looked like he was really going to take a turn for the worse, and he isn't anymore. Um, and Sagan scores two last night. How about his empty net goal? That was cool. He had no yeah. shooting lane. Addison just was in perfect position. He's just like, you know what? Boom, right. Puts it right over and, and lands took the flush. Two, but just, took the two strides to yeah. get to the red line, yeah. too, so that if he missed, uh, where a lot of guys where he was, yeah. just throw it down the wall and take the Absolutely. icing up, too. Let's just. It, you know what's funny about Sagan and Ben taking you know less significant roles on that team is that's what the Wild and Bill Guerin were hoping could happen with Parisi and Suter, and it just obviously didn't work out, and then he pulled the plug on them. But that, but it is fine because you look at that. Look, you know they got Jason Robertson. They obviously they add Pavelski, who's ageless. But but you add Robertson and you hints, and you got all these players that now kind of are better players than Sagan and Ben. But those guys have have you know adequately filled in lesser roles, and they they're have, doing fine I, with it. I think you have to applaud Pete DeBoer too. He's got those guys playing right now. They're they're bought in. They're yeah. playing hard, and he's a good coach. They're a legit contender in the West. And I didn't see that at the start of the not, season. Nor did I, did, I. I did not yeah. think, I thought they'd be a playoff no. team, but I did not think they were yeah. the top team yeah. in the central. I still don't think they are. I still think if Colorado's healthy, healthy they're yeah. the top yeah. team. And I think right now, Colorado is. They're struggling. They're struggling. But I also think in the back of their mind, they know well, yeah, they, when they, we yeah. get our guys, we're going to, we'll be able to crank it up. And as long as they put themselves in a spot where all it's going to take is winning eight out of 10 mm -hmm. to land in the postseason. I think right now be, there's no reason for them to rush guys back. Yeah. There's no reason to panic. It was a short off season for them. We're yeah. just going to, we're just going to stay afloat. Or they're just going to miss the playoffs and get Connor Bedard because yeah, that's what man. they do. I, I can't imagine. I, but, that you know, I mean, but that is, I mean, it's funny, like Colorado, it's like they either make the playoffs or they get Nathan McKinnon. They make the playoffs, they get Miko Randon. They make the playoffs or they get Landis Scott. Make the playoffs or they get McCarr. It's like they are feast or famine all those all picks the time. came in the top four. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's my that's my point. It's like, you know, they 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 just it's like you just almost feel that like Colorado, it's like if some some but, just catastrophe happens that they're gonna fall into that spot. Remember the the top the worst eleven teams could technically win the top pick. Right. And uh, remember though, it's kind of an interesting conversation because Remember all the years where the Wild were making the playoffs but getting beaten the first round, and every year you'd have some of the fans saying, 
I'm tired of making the playoffs and losing in the first round. We should just bottom out, tank. This is the kind of year that you could point to some of these teams and say, is that really what you'd want for it's it, most cases it's more than one year. It isn't like you just bottom out for one year, get the first pick and the next year you're a contender again. And you look at what's happening in Anaheim and Arizona and Chicago and Columbus might be a little different because the, of the moves they made this offseason to bring Johnny Gaudreau in. Now, if they happen to get the top pick, you're adding them to a team that, that just brought in a big piece. But I'm looking at, I can't imagine watching that for 82 nights. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine paying for tickets to watch that 41 times at home and yeah. flipping on the TV for 41 on the road. I can't Painful. imagine, right. And only one of those teams is going to get Connor Bernard. And it I doesn't know necessarily I, have to be the last. I've talked to some scouts who have told me that they think this year's draft is There's a lot deeper gen- than yeah. just Bedard. It's not that, just Bedard. Right. But even if it, let's say there's four guys yeah. that are terrific players, franchise type players, there's still eight teams that right now look like they're four years away from yeah. relevance. And nobody's, nobody's ever a, a, a sure thing. I mean, Bedard is, but I mean, I, I, Hey, look at what the draft that Rossi was in, right? The, the two top t- players in the CHL, one is in the minors in Marco Rossi and the other one's scratch and could be on the trading block in Lafreniere. Isn't that uh, like, yeah, and there are years where you know, yeah. like Austin Matthews' year, you knew. Yeah. Connor McDavid's year, yeah. you knew. That's the dad I was just texting yeah. with. Nathan way. McKinnon, you knew. Mm-hmm. And there are a few that have missed for sure. There are a lot that have – and when you say missed, it's because when you have a pick in the top three, you're looking for a perennial all-star, a franchise-type player. Yeah. You end up with a pretty good player – that's not good enough when you pick one, two, or three. And some years, that's just what's in the draft. But some years, it's, all right, well, we took this guy, too. The guy who's five is a franchise yeah. player, and there have been plenty of those. Uh, but, uh, hey, uh, damaging loss to the Stars and the Stands. You know what's funny? The day before at practice, I don't think you were at that practice, um, Chris Miller was covering for Sarah Strib, my old editor, and he asked uh, Dean about four-point games, and Dean didn't – he's like, I don't really even understand what four-point games are. He should now understand what they are because the well, wild, the four point game when you're yeah. playing the division is exactly what happened. The wild could be four back at Dallas. Instead, now they're eight. It is. It's, it's a, a four, four point, point swing. Yes. Right. But the reality is this three game stretch, I think, was I always look at it more in the stretch like that of a week or mm-hmm. of a 10 game span or a five game span. And for me, this was three games coming out of the holiday break that were critical. Three of the contenders in the central. Out of the top five in the division, including Minnesota, you're going to play three of the the other four. They got a win in Winnipeg, beaten by Dallas. You get a win now in St. Louis, and you get two out of three. If you lose two out of three, that's a damaging stretch. And I, you can't. I don't think you can overblow divisional games at this point in the season because yes, it's a four point swing in the standings, but I. The, this is too early to be looking at numbers in the standings, in my opinion. It's more about how you're playing at this point. You want to be relevant. You want to be in the hunt. But specific to one team, four points doesn't matter as yeah. much as as a group. Because right now, I think you've got to look at the standings as a six-team bunch in the Central Division that you got to stay relevant with the bunch. Whether you're four behind Dallas, as long as you're four ahead of Nashville and St. Louis, it doesn't really matter. 
at this point. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how they play against St. Louis because this is a very different team that they've seen. This team has struggled. They've looked very, very uh no, their goaltending's been a mess. Yeah. But Bennington, you know, against Chicago, Bennington had a really good game against Chicago uh, last game. And then, you know, uh, but the Wild have a lot of times been a cure to the, all the ills for the St. Louis Blues. There have yeah. been a lot of times we've come here where they are struggling, where it turns around after beating the Wild. It does. Well, and one of them was Bennington jumping into the net. 100%. That was, but right now he doesn't look like the guy who I'd be hitching my wagons to for here to the finish. And yeah. remember the year they won it when they were a mess at about this point, it was when he grabbed the reins in Absolutely. goal and then had about the best, probably what, six months out yep. of his life in net and led him to a cup. He's capable of it for sure. I don't see the same kind of dangerous team in St. Louis, but I still think they're a playoff team. And I think this is this is one of the teams that the Wild will be compared to down the stretch when it comes time to hand out playoff spots. Yep. Now, you mentioned Pete DeBoer. Was, God, man, Wild fans. I don't know how this is not a known rule by now, but in the final minute of every single game, in overtime of every single game, every challenge is from the NHL Situation Room. This was not Pete DeBoer at a 4-1 game challenging offsides. He did call the refs over to say, hey, are you guys checking? Because he knew it was offside, which is how, when he did that, I knew. I'm like, well, obviously he must know. But this is an NHL Situation Room. But the other thing is, for all the Wild fans trashing DeBoer, and probably the people trashing DeBoer are the people that lost overs on the game, um, like why should Jake Ottinger have a goal against? The rule is if he's if it's offsides, it shouldn't count. It's not it, there shouldn't be no charity goals. Oh, it's four one. We stranger things have happened, by the way. Yeah, they you have. Know, there were forty five seconds left. Well, and if let's just say he had to challenge it, mm-hmm. then I don't think that play gets looked at right. because you're probably not going to take the risk leading four one to say. I'm going to challenge this and put myself at risk if I lose that they get a power play. So I think it's wild fans are probably lucky that it, or I shouldn't say that, but he, if it was his place, I don't think he would have challenged it. Mm-hmm. So it was, this clearly came from the league. They got it right. I, I, that's another one of the rules that you could debate. The spirit of the rule was to overturn like egregious offsides. Shannon, yeah. Right. Or plays that, to me, lead directly to the scoring chance. Once the puck's in the zone, and it's been in the zone for 15 seconds or 20 seconds, I think you could make an argument that, at that point, how they got in the zone shouldn't matter anymore. But at the same time, if they got in offside, why do they deserve to be in the offensive zone? I understand right. the spirit well, of the rule. Uh, somebody, uh, Lonnie, asked on Twitter, I, haven't, I don't know where the exact question is, but he, he's like, do you think that it maybe eventually they should change, like where if possession changes in the offensive zone, maybe that nullifies yeah, being hard, offside? That would be a pretty subjective thing right. to determine possession. what's possession. Yeah. Although, to me, you know, I guess the only you know, thing I would say is potentially amount of time in the zone, but then let's say you're on a power play. Well, once you get in the zone, you might be in there for 45 seconds. Right. And if you got in yeah. illegally – yeah. I don't know why it should why it should be any different. And it, in every sport they're dealing with replay challenges and where you draw the line. Baseball's dealing with it right now. Look at how many plays around second base that never would have been looked at in a million years if they didn't have replay. And what they were trying to avoid were the neighborhood plays on double play turns and everything and now you're looking at 
did his cleat come an eyelash off the bag before he received the ball from the second baseman on a double play turn. But the reality is, if you're going to replay it, then an eyelash is enough to overturn a play. Mm-hmm. Same with a receiver in or out of bounds in a football game. If the if you happen to see the little black pebbles kick up out of the artificial turf, it probably means his toe hit the ground, and therefore he's in. So if you're going to have replay, then however close it is, you can – I'll listen to some of the traditionalists say, well, that wasn't the spirit of the rule. Well, the spirit of the rule doesn't matter. If you have replay and a guy's toe is just over the line before the puck, it's offside. By the way, our January 3rd Split Rock show, we're going to have a fun, uh, really cool announcement to make about Aquarius from Services, who's been with us as a sponsor for a long, long time. And we'll announce that on January 3rd at Split Rocks, but a really cool new um, uh, uh, thing that we're doing with Aquarius. And I, everybody knows how big of a fan I am of Aquarius. How about this? I haven't even told you this, Anthony. So I get back from San Jose after being gone. Remember, I went to Arizona, so I'm gone for a long time. It was frigid degrees in uh, Minnesota. I get home, and my house is like 48 degrees. And I you know, could not get the, the furnace working. It's a Saturday. It's Christmas Eve day. I'm like, there is no chance I'm going to get Aquarius to come out here on this day. And then, you know, panicking that the next day was Christmas. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to check into a hotel, whatever. Well, guess what? Aquarius came out. The guy, Dan, was at my house for two hours, did every single tune-up, got the thing up and rolling, and it's just absolutely awesome. And, you know, make sure you are staying cozy and comfy during this very cold holiday season. Is your furnace struggling to keep up? If you have are having any concerns whatsoever, my friends over at Aquarius Home Services is offering $65 off any furnace repair right now. That's right, 65 bucks off. I got to take advantage of this deal, coincidentally, last week. Trust my friends over at Aquarius Home Services. Their professional heating and cooling technicians are experts at troubleshooting and repairing any type of furnace-related issue. Aquarius Services, all Aquarius Services, all makes and models. Their technicians will go above and beyond to ensure 100% satisfaction. And trust me, that was Dan last week. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. Just got through the holidays and that meant some incredible meals at our place. That's a big part of our holidays was meals with our family and friends. And for that, all the ingredients came from Kowalski's. And in fact, because we get home now at 1030 on New Year's Eve, I just sent Margo to Kowalski's today, in fact, to because I said, hey, I'm going to get home at 1030. I'll be able to drive home. We'll be able to toast the new year. So I sent her into the Kowalski's wine shop. And I know I've talked about their wine shop on a recent show, but it's an underrated part of their of the experience at Kowalski's. They're really knowledgeable. They're incredibly helpful. I sent her in there just to get a bottle of champagne. And I said, just find, I wish I could remember the guy's name because he runs the show there, but I said, find this guy, tall guy with glasses. He'll be able to point you in the right direction. And sure enough, she went in and she was like, I didn't even tell him that I knew you or anything. It was just, he was just incredibly helpful was this one's this, this one's that, this is, and it's, I love it. I love chatting with them. They've been really helpful when it's been 
hey, you know, I, I really liked when you had this. Well, I'll find something close to that. We'll get it ordered next time. And it's a just another example of the great customer service you get at Kowalski's. The food's terrific. The Every aspect of it, the meat, the fish, the produce, it's all terrific. But the people there are what make it an absolute joy to shop there because you can trust that if you need advice, if you need help, they'll help you. So check it out. Kowalski's is my my spot. Okay, let's go to Twitter questions. Uh, Minnesota Wild Fan 5 has any possible way the Wild will trade for hometown kid uh, Snuggeroo, right-handed shower, great size, but more importantly, he's from Chaska. Uh, Chaska is a cool city. Uh, probably over Doug Armstrong's dead body would he trade uh, Jay- Snuggeroo to the Wild. Uh, no, uh, but man, uh, Snuggeroo, Cooley, these guys are really uh, showing really well right now. Uh, uh, those they are, but players. how about the World Junior Tournament? We haven't talked about yeah. this at all. It The last few years, there's been such a wide split between the power and the non-power in that tournament. Mm-hmm. And I know Russia's not in it, but it's been the U.S., Russia, Canada, Sweden, and Finland, and then the rest. Mm-hmm. And it's been a huge, a canyon-sized gap. And every once in a while, you get a team that upsets on a one-game scenario. But almost every year, you can pencil in those five as being the top five teams. And now with Russia out, you would have thought the other four. But I watched some of those early tournament games. Mm-hmm. Switzerland's win over Finland in overtime was not a fluke. No. Canada losing was not a fluke. Mm-hmm. The U.S. losing to to Slovakia was not a fluke. Mm-hmm. Those teams are a lot closer, and you start to see, hey, they've got a first-round pick on this team. And Yeah, I mean, look at what Slovakia just had three last year in the Right. It's, I think it's great. It's great to mm-hmm. see some of these other countries getting closer. I still believe when push comes to shove in the medal round, in the quarterfinals, the bracket play, you'll start to see those teams. And, and Canada, yeah. you knew after they got beat, the yep. next two were going to be, you didn't want to be their yeah. opponents. And yeah. they pounded Germany, then they pounded Austria the next night. And we were watching the start of the Austria game and Halfway through the first period, the shots were two to one. Mm-hmm. And I turned to West Walls. I said, I would have said Canada was going to score 15 in this yeah. game. Well, <laughs> by the time they were done, it was they were scoring yeah. on every shift. Year, years ago in the World Juniors, you'd lose early and you're, you're done. You couldn't win the gold. And now it's now there are a lot of teams that win the gold and they have a loss early. And I had Dave Starman on my athletic hockey show the other day, the analyst that's doing all the U.S. games. And he made a really good point that he thought that loss that Canada had – uh, uh, in the opening game would be good for them because what it does is you have all these kind of and um, he didn't say this but I'll just paraphrase kind of what I took from it is they have all these cocky talented kids they're yeah. sitting there like hey That's we're exactly. going to walk over this tournament and now all of a sudden they panic like holy crap on our own turf we could get upset and it gives the coaches the room back and right. then they take control and which I agree with yeah. completely and I watched that game they started that game mm-hmm. acting like they were going to win by 10. Mm-hmm. They scored. Mm-hmm. They scored again, but it got overturned. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the second goal got overturned, you could kind of see the checks were like, hey, you know what? We got, we, Let's take advantage of this. We got a shot. Mm-hmm. And where the Canadian guys, they, they've been treated like royalty. It's what yeah. they've I've always felt when you watch their team, that they had a cockiness to them mm-hmm. that none of the other teams in the tournament ever had. Yeah. And, and some of it's well-deserved. They've been the most talented team in that tournament quite often here recently. But I, it, they'll probably be dangerous, probably be tough to beat the rest of the way after 
after suffering a loss. Good question from Eric Hansen. I uh, want to know, um, has anything changed in Philip Gustafson's game or is it just him feeling more comfortable in the system in the locker room? I think that has a lot to do with it. I think he's playing more, but he just looks like a different goal. And he talked about it yesterday is that, you know, like it just, you know, first of all, a couple of weeks ago, he threw a lot of shade on Ottawa that he just basically said that you never knew what team is going to show up in front of him. And then, um, you know, he gets the win against Ottawa and um, and really just has been as consistent as any goaltender in the league for the games that he's gotten into. And I do think that he just has a lot of faith in front of the guys in front of him. You know, he said the other day that the wild defensemen, and a lot of times the wild defensemen by all of us get a lot of flack maybe because they aren't the biggest and don't maybe some at times have the the – you know, the, the, the body is to clear bodies in front of the net, but he said what they're really good is angling guys away. So the goalie is meaning flurry and Gustafson can see the shot from. And so he right now is playing uh, really, really well. Um, I didn't even, what's your guess on who's starting the blues? Did, did Dean say today? I didn't even ask. Yeah. And I kind of thought coming in that he would probably play Gustafson in Winnipeg and then flurry the next two. Mm -hmm. That's how I thought it, but now I wonder if it changes. You might just go back to yeah. Gustafson. Gustafson's been good. Yeah. Flurry was great yeah. against Dallas. I yeah. thought it was one of his and better that might games change. of the year. I mean, you know, if you're going, you know, actually now I'm kind of second. Like to me, it's almost like you want to play, you know, you want to, but then you get Lightning coming in. It's like, you know, who do you I'd go? play Flurry in this game. Yeah, I probably would. And he's been, he's been really good. And I think Gustafson has been good. He's, he's athletic. He's strong. He's been – I was watching him practice before the – in the morning skate the day of the of the Dallas game and just watching him move in the net. He's, he's square to pucks. He controls rebounds well. And it'll be interesting to see how, he, how it plays out. I thought for a little stretch he was the beneficiary of some scheduling where he was catching some mediocre teams on the back end of back-to-backs. But he's also played well against some good teams. I thought he was good against Winnipeg. thought he was terrific in Vancouver. And I think he's been a valuable addition. They, the Wild knew they needed a backup goaltender that could give them 25 to 30 games. And so far, the indication are that he could be that guy. Absolutely. Um, Freddie Hockey Enjoyer, what a great Twitter name. Freddie Hockey Enjoyer. Um, Donnie Wester is his real name, or maybe that's not his real name, but that's his Twitter account. Uh, Roos. Who would ever have a fake name on Twitter? Yeah, I know. Um, you claim 24, meaning Dumb is on his way out at some point this year or after, especially with Brock Faber coming over in late March or early April. But how realistic is it for Faber to actually come in and be NHL ready and not only that, but to make a noticeable impact in the playoffs? So, I mean, it's a great question. Um, the Wild seem to think that he is. I mean, Billy Guerin basically said that on the my straight from the source with Joe Smith last week um, or a couple weeks ago, um, or alluded to it, I should say. He didn't really say it, but he made it very clear that they plan to sign him and put him on the team. But I think it is the question. I mean, nobody knows for sure, right? I mean, I've watched him a lot at the U this year. He's a great, great player, but it's still college hockey and a big rank. You know, to expect him to come in and play the playoffs, it just, it's, uh, you know, I agree. I, I'm skeptical. Um, so it is a good question, Donnie. I mean, you know, I don't know how realistic it is. We're all guessing. Him. The Wilder guessing. Yeah, I haven't watched him play enough this year. I did watch him a fair amount last year. I really liked his game. I like him as a player. But that projecting what, how ready a guy is to make that step yeah. is a crapshoot. We've seen guys do it, and we've seen guys do it really well. 
I, I don't know for sure. It's hard to. I yeah. wouldn't even want to guess yeah, and, as to whether look, or not he'd be the Wild right. could be as confident as they want. They don't know for sure, right? You know, I mean, you know, it's a heck of a. He's not Kale McCarr, you know. And Kale McCarr came out of college and looked like played the part really well. Even Chris Kreider, right, when he came out of out of Boston. Um, Corn Dog asks um, if we do go after I think a that's player, his real name. Yeah. Um, Actually, his, his his name is Corn Dog, but his Twitter account is Corn Doggy Dog. Right. So again, everybody uses their real name. Yeah. Um, that'd be great on your birth certificate. Imagine, like, you know, hey, what what do you want me to put on the birth certificate? We all uh, Corn First Doggy name, corn, Dog. Last Jones. name Dog. <laughs> anyway, um, if we do go after a player at the deadline, is it a lock that it'll just be a rental player with our cap situation? I think it's got to either be a rental player or it's got to be somebody with like one or two years at a very reasonable price. I mean, the Wild have $15.5 million or whatever it is with like nine guys to sign. Obviously, they're not bringing all of them back, but that's – and one of them's Boldy. You know, one of them's Gustafson. Yeah, one of them's you'd have Addison. to find a guy on a team-friendly deal for sure. That's... Like, you know, one name that I keep on thinking of is Anthony DeClaire. I do think the Wild have talked to them. I, I think that Florida knows that they're going to have to make a move or they're going to have to trade DeClaire. But even $3 million for DeClaire, Florida's not going to eat anything. I just don't know if that's doable for the Wild. I, um, I really haven't. I we've, we've talked, I think we joked about this last week, that I spend zero time looking at other guys' contracts and who might be targeted because for my job, it doesn't matter. Until the guy arrives and he's in the lineup, I don't really ever look at it. That's right. that's more your area than mine. I don't mind Duclair as a player. I actually kind of like him as a Super player. Super fast and skilled. He's always, I've always thought he was going to blossom into more of a player than he's been so far. He's been a good player, but I remember seeing him early in his career thinking, wow, look at this guy skate. He's got mm -hmm. some size. It looks like he can shoot the puck. It's never translated into yeah. huge numbers, yeah. but, but I, think, I think he's a good player. I, I think the one danger with the De DeClaire, especially with Term left on his deal, is he had a major injury. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like every time I hear the word Achilles, it just it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. And, um, and, like, you know, you kind of want to make sure that he's on the ice and it has the same speed because that, to me, is what makes him super special. Um, and you just want to make sure that he's the same player. I guess you could say the same about Pacioretty. Um, a couple more minutes in the show. Um, Austin asked, do you think Rossi has become uh, more confident in his game? Um, I haven't seen him play down there. He's been sick the last couple games. Um, if so, with the Wilds still struggling in the faceoff circle, do you think they'd bring him up anytime soon? I mean, they're not going to just bring him up faceoffs. I mean, he's, they got to have a lineup spot for him. And right now, with Felino coming back and Duhane close to coming back and Walker and Beckman as extras who are eventually going to one of them or both of them are going to wind up in Iowa again, there's just no room for Rossi on the roster right now. No, and when you – Shaw's coming back too, remember that. So right now you throw Felino back on the Greenway line. That means Hartman goes back on the Gaudreau-Boldy line. That Shaw goes back in on the Dewar and Reeves line. That means Beckman and Walker are odd men out already. Yeah. And you add Duhame to the mix, a guy who probably rotates in on the fourth line, assuming everybody else stays healthy – Duhame's in. He, he's going to play. So now you're talking about Shaw likely being the first guy out. If Shaw is your extra guy, it's you'd have to lose a different kind of player for Marco Rossi to be the guy that fits yeah. there. And right now, as we've seen, 
maybe if it was a centerman, like let's say something, and I, I hate to even other. speculate on, yeah. let, but let's say Freddie Gaudreau went down or something. Mm-hmm. Well, one option is to move Hartman to the middle and bring Walker back. The other option would be to plug Rossi in there. So I don't think it's a no-brainer that he'd be the first guy yeah. back anyway. Yeah, But I agree. they're not going to bring him back just for face I think that makes the most sense, actually, is put Hartman back to where he was great last year and bring Walker back because he's made such an impact before Rossi. And that's, we'll see. And that's just yeah. throwing out yeah. if Gaudreau happened to be the guy to go down yeah. but you're not gonna if i suppose maybe if steel went down you'd have a spot there where maybe hartman goes back in that spot and yeah. but you're if it's one of your bottom six and i, I hate to say bottom six because really that felino greenway erickson eck line plays more minutes than your second scoring line but one of those guys goes down rossi's yeah. not the guy for that yeah I actually, I'm still, I like the way the Steel's playing. I actually think he's, you know, much better player than I thought he was going to be. But if it were me, still, if Hartman actually continues to, like, you know, sort of be, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but just not what he was last year, I actually think it would make sense to put Steele at the wing with Boldy, bring that skill and speed there, and put Hartman back to where he was so good last year, and let's see if that line could really take a jump. Because it's like it, we haven't seen a monster, you know, like you know, explosion yet from that line, and uh, you know, I think it's got to come at some. Uh, point. You know, I actually I think <laughs> you look at. I mean, Zuccarello like who scored in twelve out of thirteen right. games and had nineteen yeah. points total. He's like the fifth leading scorer in the I get, month of I get December. It. But even in, the in Anaheim league. and San Jose, I thought he was actually well, him and Kaprizov were not very good, they did, and they got points. Those they rates. haven't had the big five yeah. and six point night, right. maybe. But when you look at I mean, Zuccarello in the month of December, he's fifth in the league. Yeah. Kaprizov's eighth in scoring, and that's a pretty good month. Mm-hmm. It's just they've been doing it more with one point a night, one, exactly. two, two, That's one, funny. two, two. We just haven't seen the big explosive yep. three goal, two yep. assist night. Adam Donarski asked actually if there were any Rossi updates. And actually, uh, Dean talked a lot about it in my game story today. So check that out. He also recommends an Italian restaurant in D.C. called RPM. So just so you know, when we I've go there, been to the RPM in Chicago. Okay. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's a solid um, spot. Jeremy Rutherford's in our hotel, so we're gonna we're gonna probably wrap this up in a couple seconds. Hot Preston asks, uh, "Could Lafreniere? I always Lafreniere. I finally yeah. pronounced it correctly. Um, trade be a plausible well, you're a trade? All you have to do is spell it right. Yeah. Preston uh, brings a uh, could Lafreniere be a plausible trade target for the Wild? I mean, hey, um, you know, like I think a lot of times people overreact to one healthy scratch by a player like that. I think we all did it with Rossi. But I do trust Arthur Staple, who's our co- my colleague from the Athletic, who covers the Rangers, who basically threw out there that they they might have to make a decision soon on maybe moving him. And you know, theoretically, he actually could be available. I just don't know if the if the Wilds. Are I can't imagine that, yeah. that the Wild would pay yeah. the price to get a in, yeah. former first overall pick. In, in in, here. Interesting uh, question, though, um, especially because Garen and Drury have such uh, a history. But but. You know, I, I think it's probably unlikely, but who knows? Alan asks, do you think Sammy Walker has the potential of being a top six forward in the NHL, a potential 20-goal, 60-point guy? What do you think? Well, it's hard to say. He's much better than I ever thought he'd be, I'll tell you that. He's And he's got some speed. Yeah. How about the skill, skill play he made against the Stars on His Thursday hands. night? Yeah, that, and he's played with some confidence. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when those guys come up and the first couple games, all they're trying to do is – just not have the game blow up on him. And I thought he, 
he's been good. I, it's hard to say this early in a guy's career if he's capable of that. He yeah. wasn't a huge scorer at Minnesota. He was a really good player and and a good scorer on their team. But it wasn't. If you're talking about a guy who's going to get twenty and sixty in the NHL, you're usually talking about a guy who probably scored twenty five in a college season, and he wasn't that type of guy. I I really like his game though a lot. And somebody asked about the production of Greenway, Hartman, and um, Felino, and if it's a concern. I mean, they, you know, I like asked, Greenway at some point has got his pot in some goals, man. Yeah, like, I think his game's been good, yeah. and he just hasn't been scoring. And but you can tell he's pressing now. Yeah. And he, he had a this couple, is him though. He does this every year. He does, but he's had a, he had a couple near misses lately too. Or yeah. like even last night, yeah. he makes the great feed to Erickson. Ties the game and, if he hits, and he redirects it wide. Then Greenway has a chance out front and hits the yeah. post. And that line though hasn't looked to me. The eye test doesn't look like a a line on the verge of breaking out. Yeah. It's not like they're getting stopped on six grade A chances exactly. every night. They're They've still been really good defensively. They've yeah. still been a handful. The team needs them. It makes everybody else better. But they don't look like guys that are about to go on yeah. a run like what we saw from them last year. Um, somebody asked Jade asked if Hartman could become expendable with you know all these guys, Sammy Walker and all that. I, I just at one seven, I just don't see why in a the cap bang situation for the buck yeah, with Hartman the cap makes situation. Him, it just makes no sense to trade him. And the other thing is Billy Guerin is a very loyal person, and Billy always mentions how much it meant to him that that, that guy took a haircut when he could have tried to go and get bank, and I don't think that he would just move him um, right now uh, for that principle. It's sort of the same reason why they're with Goligoski right now. It's like, you know, he made a promise, and he's still here. Let's wrap up the show pretty soon here. Let me just see. Um, Maverick asks um, – What's it going to take to get the team over the hump? They've been a gr on a great run for a bit now, but still find themselves a bad three-game stretch away from being out of the playoff picture. I mean, that's the entire league. Unless you're Boston, you lose three in a row in this league, you're you're going to be on the bottom. And that's just look. The anyway, Wild, when they were in the top three, were two points from. If that's Dallas the loses three in a row, they're going to be yeah. right there yeah. in the battle. Yeah, they're going to be right in the middle of the pack. Yeah, what's not the middle of the pack, but the yeah. middle of that playoff pack. What'll get them over the hump in this league is you got to go forty-one and zero down the stretch. Uh, <laughs> um, let me just see. There was one good question at the end. Oh, somebody asked me. Um, somebody asked Matty Ice has what can we expect from Russo's last day of being mean on Twitter? Because I made a New Year's resolution the other day that I was going to be really nice to people on Twitter in 2023. You think hmm. that's going to happen? Well, I'd say it'll happen until the first time you read the comments after one of your tweets. 100%. So if you stop that, then I like your chances. But other than that, no, I don't. There, I saw one interesting one. A guy asked me, like, where the toughest place from which to call a game for me is. I thought that was an interesting question. We've had a couple of mm -hmm. these Girdervilles <laughs> lately, which is just bizarre to me that the one in Winnipeg is terrible. It covers up an entire zone. And I keep having – I keep taking a step to my right and bang into West so I could see the play. There was actually one play that did – on the call, I couldn't see it because the puck went in behind the net. And by the time I moved over far enough to see it, it had popped out front and Gustafson made a big save. And it was, it was, Wes had to tell me what happened because I really didn't see it. But the, for me, the toughest place in the league from which to call a game is Edmonton. We are, a, it feels yeah. like we're about a quarter and mile away. it used to be away. the best, by the way. It was one of the best, right. We're about a quarter of the mile of a mile away from the rink. Mm -hmm. We're incredibly high. 
and their jerseys are like a colorblind test yeah. with those orange jerseys and blue numbers on them. It is really hard to see them. And it's that to me is the toughest place to call a game yeah. in the NHL. Tyson Jost would not be good on the Oilers. Uh, if you remember, he's colorblind. Bad joke. And everyone knows I like Tyson. But I'll tell he, you, the, here's the, for me, the clincher with Edmonton is their guys think it's such a terrible place from which to call the game that they move down to concourse level. Yeah. They leave the visitors up in the <laughs> rafters, but they move yeah. down so that they can have By a By the way, Rexall used to be point. one of the best, except they didn't have bathrooms in press box, and we'll remind people of that story at some point on later Next podcast. Show. Now, two more quick, quick questions. Uh, one is a real quick one. Somebody asked me when the, NA, when the NHL finds a team like Toronto, which I can go on and on about that one. That's that decision Toronto made. I just think it's yeah, Bush ridiculous. League. Um, but um, but also by their players, right? Because this is an NHLPA rule, and the players essentially defy their own union by agreeing to it. Um, but they, he, but it's uh, not going to end. Yeah. How many teams do you think next year will say, "Hey guys, uh, grand, let's I'll leave it. it yeah. Well, let's just leave it twelve oh five. Yeah. And make it as normal as we possibly yeah. can. And why have it be yeah. such a, a? But I think the rule is seven a.m. I, I thought the think. rule was midnight. Okay. I think because I actually talked about this and said. If you want it to be correct, make the rule be 7 a.m. Yeah. That says you can't leave till yeah. the morning because the Flyers the, did the same thing, by the way, well, years ago. And this year, I think there was, I read somewhere that I think it was Chicago who asked if they could do it and yeah. the league said no. Well, I told, I told the story on the fan the other day to PA. So I have a, you know, all my buddies in Raleigh. Somebody told me, he goes, Hey, I'm at Angus Barn right now and Luke Richardson's at the table next to me. And I said, well, if the Blackhawks are there, that is a major violation. This is before any of the Leaf stuff happened. So I actually went on Flight Aware thinking that I had this major scoop that they broke the rules. And I, you know, searched Midway and O'Hara to, to Raleigh and it 100% they didn't do it. Um, and it just turned out like Dean Evison spent Christmas right. in Winnipeg. Luke Richardson right. spent it in. But so to me, I think number one is you open a loophole, teams are going to, they're going to abuse it. And the if you just make the rule 7 a.m. Yeah. and it's, it's there is no exception there is no fine i mean make the fine be 5 million dollars then nobody will break yeah. it, it whatever like 100 the, grand for the leafs is like you know a 12 million dollar player getting two twenty five hundred dollar fine yeah, i mean it doesn't it's meaningless yeah. and so but now by opening that door cuz i heard what had happened was they were planning to leave it a little after 12 and they ended up leaving before 12 and that's why they got fined mm -hmm. but now what's going to happen when the next team goes to their players and say, well, Toronto is willing to leave at 12.05. Why can't we leave at 12.05? Mm -hmm. And the spirit of the rule was so that teams would leave in the morning. But here's what, my, what I think the solution should be. Why not push the entire schedule of the league back one day? I know. One day. Yeah. And say – Everybody comes back to work on the 27th. They practice and fly or practice yeah. and are at home. And the it's season resumes on the 28th. And, and I've I've contended this for years. I think also puts these players' health in danger. Absolutely these guys have been does. eating ham for four days. And then you're like, all right, don't pull a groin tonight. Not only not, but now you've been off for three days without skating, eating yes. and whatever. And now we're going to have you get on a plane in the morning and yeah. fly and play, which you never do and, other and than in the And it's not always a short trip. The, the Wild once, when I first started covering this team, I'm almost positive the Wild started in Edmonton my first year, first or second year, right in 2005 or six. They it started. could be. I, only, I looked at it going back to I, – because I think it was in 2013 that they changed the rule where you couldn't fly on the 26th. 
And so it became that you had to, that day became an automatic off day. Because there was one year where they actually played a game on the 26th where you flew and played that morning. I think there was, I think it was shortly after yeah. that, that that well, rule they, they changed. Since, uh, like it used to be that you started the 26th. Now it, it can't be before the 27th. I know. I remember one year, I think it was uh, Joe Ward's NHL debut. It was in Toronto. And that I almost missed missed it because I had such hellacious travel. Just uh, to button up, uh, so Bookie, the person that asked us wanted to know where the money goes to, and the money goes to the NHL Foundation, which is like stuff like, you know, hockey fights cancer and, and things like that. All right, last question. JRO wants to know what's one thing that's gotten better and one thing that's gotten worse in the industry from when you started up till now. You want to go first or me? Go. You can go. You go um, first. That's gotten about. better. Actually, one is travel. You know, I I know people think that travel sucks now, but I'm I don't know how I survived so many years without TSA pre-check, clear things like that. Like I, if I had a six a.m. flight in the old days, I had to get at the airport at four. I remember once having a six a.m. flight out of Phoenix, and if I didn't show up at that airport at three fifty-five, I would have missed my plane. There was just there was no first class. Not that I probably would have been at that point. There's, you know, no special lines, no TSA pre-check, no clear. Now it's like this morning I had an early flight to St. Louis. I showed up 55 minutes before my flight and I was through security in like four minutes. And it was packed, but I had clear and TSA pre-check and, and all that. One thing that's gotten worse, I think, and this I can go on and on about, is um, in a lot of ways Twitter, but not really Twitter. It's It's even online and things like that. Like back in the old days – if you had a scoop, if you were reporting on a story, you reported on a story until it was complete, and then you reported it. You know, you didn't put real-time updates out there. You know, stories are fluid. You know, what was the story? It was on the Vikings once, and everybody said all the reporters were wrong. Well, things changed throughout the day. It might have been even Favre. Um, uh, and and my, I guess my point is now it's like anytime you hear anything, you put it out there. You know, even just, hey, Marco Rossi's going to be scratch tonight. Next thing you know, Marco Rossi played because somebody got sick that day. Remember earlier this season, Brondine, same thing. Right. Like, you or know, if you were writing a story, yeah. the story wouldn't have been posted yeah. until exactly. Might have wouldn't have been the paper. Till the I, next was telling, day. Uh, I was telling, I was chatting with uh, Chris Miller, my old editor at the Strib, and I remember when the Star Tribune went online for the first time. Maybe it was an online at the first time. But I remember I it was in 2007, and I got the 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 scoop on exactly what Mark Parrish's contract was. And I said to them, like, do not put this on the website until after 10 p.m. because I don't want the Pioneer Press to get it because I know there's no way they're going to get it. And if I and then it was on my story at like 7:30, and then the next day I look at the press Pioneer Press, and they had the, the terms, and I was convinced they got it from us. And I look back now and I just laugh, uh, you know, like like you know, now it's like if you get a scoop. Bro, Ryan Reed is coming to the yeah. wild. You tweeted a second, you know. I've, I've, made, I've teased you about that. That mm -hmm. now you beat people by four seconds. Yeah. And, look at my look at how work, much effort I put into breaking that Parisi Studio story. Right, and, and to beat, all I did was break it, and then everybody just essentially swiped it from me. You right. know, that's just the way the world is now. It is so it, you don't report a story out anymore, and I think that is really an injustice to even readers because there's context to things that you know, that need to take place to, to explain right. exactly the stuff so that's I was, going on. When I, as, before you got to that, as I was thinking, my answer to both questions was going to be social media. Yeah. And because I think it's made it great. I, it's a great way. I love interacting with the fans most of the time when they're civil. And, <laughs> and I'm not the best at going and checking and looking at comments. But if people send me a message and tag my name in it, 
if I see it and read it, I'll reply to them and I'll answer their question, even if it's a critical question. Like, hey, why did you, you I think you got this guy wrong or you mix this, whatever. I'll always answer the question. And and if I don't, it isn't because I've read it and I'm, well, screw this guy, I'm not going to answer him. It's just because I haven't looked at it. I think it's been great. And it's a great way to to tell people what's happening. It's a great way to promote the what's going to be in our shows, on our shows. And I love the interaction with the fans. On the other side, it has become such a cynical landscape. Oh, my God. And it? from a other information standpoint, it's become a whole group of, I shouldn't say a whole group, but there are a lot of people in the media that now are so worried about being first instead of being right, that information gets thrown out there when it isn't complete. And a lot of times when it isn't even accurate, and there are times where it's careless. And so I find myself not even reading it, not even reading tweets from other reporters. I'll maybe wait in the next day, read their article, because then I know that they've taken the time to write it, to research it, to, but the things that, Hey, I'm hearing this. Well, who'd you hear it from? And it, it's not in the I'm article. The king of the hearing. Right. And it, so I don't, for that reason, Trust I me, think, when I say hearing, I've heard it. Well, <laughs> yes, but even then sometimes it changes. And know, your point today was a, a perfect example, but it's, there are a lot of times where I think about the things that I talk to somebody about hear, think might happen during the day, that if I had been sending those out rapid fire on Twitter, my it would have changed seven times before we hit the air that night. So I think social media has been has made a change for the better in the league. It's also made a change for the worse. Let's wrap up the show. Uh, I didn't realize 20 minutes ago, Jeremy Rutherford texted me that he was outside our door here of this meeting room. So oh. um, the beat writer of the team, the, show yeah, the, beat, the, the beat writer of the, the team that is 12-1-1 in their last 14 against the Wild at home is outside our door waiting for dinner. No, 12-1-1 overall yeah. against oh. the Wild. Oh, okay. What about at home? I can't remember. Okay. It's but not, two, it's, the Wild are 2-7-5 here. No, 2-7-5 in their last 14 overall. Oh, overall, not Blues. here. Right. Okay. We got to figure out what they are here. Yeah, that's not very good. Uh, it's if you, it's a shorter yeah. sample size if you're only counting yeah. the games here. Yeah, we should figure out what the record was when it was called the Keel Center, the Savas Center, the Scott Trade Center, and the Enterprise Center. That's one of my pet peeves with a lot of the stat sites uh, yeah. is sorting them by arena when it's the same building. It just <laughs> has a different name. <laughs> All right, uh, January third at Split Rocks. Uh, one of the times we were up there, I brought Jeremy Rutherford. Uh, January 3rd at Split Rock, 7 p.m. Come on out and see us, uh, unless I got to go buy, like, T-shirts for Anthony. Uh, uh, we'll, I, we'll start I should at 7. be good. Uh, thanks to our incredible sponsors. Of course, all the Tuttle's uh, restaurants. Um, of course, Grain Belt, uh, Moe's Tavern, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, Royal Credit Union, and Kowalski's. Talk to you next week, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing growing in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner reason why we're doing this uh, podcast so late, by the way, is uh, Anthony forgot his socks.